This is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast, and I'm your host, John Hansen, and this is episode 33. One of the nation's best young chess players is a Lane Tech freshman. We'll meet him in just a moment. This episode sponsored in part by St. Paul's UCC. I've never experienced a place where people are this selfless and volunteering left and right to see how they can make a difference, giving us ideas for different groups to help. It's just, it's endless in the best of ways. That's Maddie Lockhart, and we'll hear more about their community efforts from her a little bit later on. Let's get to the episode. In many ways, Avi Kaplan is your typical 15-year-old. The Lane Tech freshman plays basketball, baseball, he likes to cook too. But his dresser at home is topped with dozens and dozens of giant trophies. There's not room for another one. Each one of them celebrates a big win and placement in major chess tournaments across the country. Last month, Avi won second place in the nation for a high school freshman. He's already an expert level player and he's knocking on the door of becoming a master. Maya McDonald introduced us to Avi in her Block Club Chicago article. Maya, thanks for hopping on with us today. And Avi is young, but he's already been playing chess for a long time and he is rising the ranks as a teenager pretty quickly here. I guess when you think about a 15 year old, they're still pretty young. But if you think about it in terms of how long Avi has been playing, started playing around first grade, he kind of, you can argue, has been playing chess for most of his life. It's pretty impressive. So how did it all start for him in first grade? Around then he was, you know, going to school and looking, I guess, for extracurriculars. And one of them that, you know, they had at his school, Decatur Classical, um, just so happened to be chess. So I joined and obviously I wasn't in the, the top group because, I mean, I was a first grader with no experience, but I went to one of the lower groups. And then we first started learning like how to write like notation. And then we started doing puzzle solving. And like when chess kind of first clicked for me, there was like a puzzle that the teacher put on the board and said, like, try to find the checkmate. And I thought for a couple of minutes and I ended up finding it. The teacher was pretty impressed. So I was like, I kind of figured out that like I could probably do it. And once he picked it up, he got really good really quick. Like once I started solving more puzzles and stuff, like. I started beating the people like in the novice level, like the lower groups. So then I started like going up on the groups and that's kind of when like my confidence got it a little more. So that's kind of when I knew like, obviously I didn't know I would like go professional, but that's kind of when I knew I was like, getting really good at it he has like a ton of awards that he's gotten i mean he's won a lot of tournaments most recently this past december won second place nationally in his age group well right now i'm officially like an expert you basically have to have a rating of 2000 and i have a rating of like 2150 so i'm an expert in a to have a master rank, you have to be a 2200 and I'm only 50 points away. So hopefully by the end of the year, well, definitely by the end of the year, I'll, I'll be a master. Okay. I'm really glad he explained what the numbers meant to me because my, I have no idea what the numbers meant, but uh, I'm glad he told us. Definitely. I don't know what that means. And I really also don't know how you calculate the scoring in chess, to be honest. I have not played very much of it at all. But as far as obvious told me, that is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, scoring is one thing. Playing is another. And the beauty of chess is that anyone aged 5 to 105 can play against each other at any time. But 
being good at it, I imagine, just takes so much work. I like to say that like chess is the sport of the mind. It's actually a lot harder than people think because games and tournaments can go up to like an average game for me is like three to four hours. And it can go up to like five to six hours. So it's it's really a long time. Some people are born with it, but I say a really good way to get good at chess is to like, so there's like three parts of chess. There's the opening, the middle game, and the end game. A good way to improve is to like, get good at like one opening, like have one trusty opening and like, and then you can just keep practicing that game, practicing your opening. And then you can kind of expand, like get good at like solving puzzles or get good at another opening. And then you can kind of like slowly build more strengths. So that's a good way to improve. So Maya, if you added up the hours, I mean, how much work and practice are we talking about here? He plays or at least practices playing chess around 20 to 30 hours a week. Tournaments themselves could actually be 20 to 30 hours themselves because a lot of tournaments are seven games. And if an average game for me is like three to four hours, it could definitely be 20 plus hours. For me, it's like, obviously it's hard work, but it's actually really fun for me because I feel like it's pretty rewarding. But also at the end of the day, not every tournament you're going to win every time, but it's still fun for me. Win or lose, I always like to learn from the games. It's really important to not, when you review it after, because I always review my games, it's important not to be like, why did I do this? Or like, what was I thinking? It's important to just try to pinpoint the area where you messed up and then know for next time what the better option would be. He's 15. He's already approaching a master level, but he still seems like really grounded in the grind of getting better. He doesn't seem arrogant at all. I mean, his parents didn't play chess, so Maya, who's helping him get better? And I don't know if you got that same sense for him about how grounded he is. When talking to Avi, you know, he, he's young, so I, I think maybe a little bit of uh, some of it is like he, he recognizes he is talented and he knows where he wants to go, but you're not always going to be boasting about how good you are. But he spoke to one of his coaches, um, Shiva Maharaj, who I believe they met kind of close to when Avi first started playing and then kind of reconnected after um, he started coaching him. But he said that Avi seemed to uh, be really talented and kind of have like an instant sort of killer instinct, kind of like how you see it portrayed in like movies and TV shows. They have that instant kind of, they just kind of sort of get it. So it was really interesting to talk to somebody who wasn't Avi or like a family member who kind of recognized that in him, that he just he just had that, that special something. And also not only applied that to his own chess playing, but use that to kind of help motivate, you know, a lot of his peers and, you know, the other players that he has uh, connections with. He's won money in a tournament in Vegas, a pretty good amount too. So I was kind of surprised when he told me that going professional, yeah, it is certainly one hope of his, but it's not his only focus. That is a goal to be a professional player, but also I, I kind of like teaching other kids. Like before the pandemic, I actually taught a couple kids openings and like reviewed some of their games and told them what they should and shouldn't do. I do also have a passion for teaching other kids too. So that's something I also might want to do later on. Yeah, you don't hear that too often from 15-year-olds already aiming to one day teach their skills on to other kids. It's uh, really cool stuff. Maya, I had to ask him about the portrayal of chess in movies or recently in Netflix's The Queen's Gambit. I wanted to know about two movie tropes that I often see 
in Chester. First, does he play against himself like the woman did uh, up against the ceiling in the Queen's Gambit? Does he play against himself all the time? To be honest, I don't really play against myself. I'd say the closest thing to me playing myself is when I'm reviewing an opening. I'd be like, what would I do if I, I was on this side? So in a way, kind of like playing against yourself. But for the most part, it's just like preparing for your opponent. And the other thing we always see is that one player playing against 10 people at a time and beating them all in a very dramatic and quick way. If he does that too. Yeah, so they call that a simul, basically where you play more than one person at a time. I've done a couple of those. I've also participated on the other side where like usually a grandmaster plays against, but yeah, it's, it's definitely fun playing against multiple people at once. I usually do pretty good at those. And then just overall, speaking specifically about the Queen's Gambit, it was a huge hit. Do movies and TV shows get made fun of in the chess world or do players actually like them? I thought it was really good because it brought like a, a good amount of attention to chess, like millions of millions of people watched it. So like if it reignited their passion to play or kind of just brought them into it, I thought it was really good. So overall, even if we aren't going to be masters or experts or anything, uh, does Avi think that folks, no matter what their age should be, should start playing chess? I'd say it's also really good to help like your creativity, help you like calculate and stuff. You don't have to be like super athletic or anything as long as you have like a strong passion for the game. Anyone can get started. Maya, he has got an incredibly bright future ahead of him. I think so. With everything he has going on, he could really go anywhere, I think. Not a lot of colleges have chess, but like a big one is Webster. Not too many play chess. Like I'm sure I can get a scholarship for chess and like maybe bring chess into that college. That could be cool. So Maya, I had to know if it were me versus Avi and I'm not good at chess, I have a hard time looking more than like two moves ahead. And if I was playing Avi and we were playing quickly, how fast could he beat me? Well, if, if it's a quicker game, like I, I can actually beat a lot of people with starting with one minute. You could beat me in under a minute? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I am sure that he could beat me the same. I pretty much would not know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, me either. Well, he was a great person to chat with who obviously has this incredible skill and work ethic. And we look forward to him reaching master status, hopefully grandmaster one day. And uh, maybe we'll be watching a Netflix special about Avi Kaplan one day too. Maya, thanks for sharing this story with us. Oh, most definitely. Thanks so much, John, for having me. Here's a couple websites for adults and kids looking to get involved in chess. There's il-chess.org for the Illinois Chess Association. The chicagochessfoundation.org is where you can find more information. Also, chessed.com. There's the Renaissance Knights. They foster the intellectual and social developments of disadvantaged youth in diverse communities throughout the city. Renaissance Knights are found at rknights.com. K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot org. And for girls that are interested in chess, one organization that helps out with them is Queens United Chess, and that's queensunitedchess.org. This week's episode is sponsored in part by St. Paul's UCC. The people here are warm and wonderful. There's truly a sense of giving back to our community, to people we don't even know. I've never experienced a place where people are this selfless and volunteering left and right to see how they can make a difference, giving us ideas for different groups to help, contributing in just multiple ways for existing groups who are already helping. It's just, it's endless in the best of ways. One event we've actually helped 
the city of Chicago with is the City Key event. That's where they create free optional government issued ID cards and make it available to all Chicagoans, regardless of age, gender, immigration status, or housing status. Chicago Public Library card, transit card. We're also currently sponsoring a Refugee One family, and that's a program that helps a family secure safe housing in the city, which mostly includes Afghan evacuees right now. We have collected over $13,000 in donations online, and we also have an entire gym stage full of furniture, clothing, and household items that people have donated. We do our annual Polar Peace March, which honors Martin Luther King Jr., shows the city how all of our streets are connected. A lot of things, yeah. No one wants to see anyone else hurting or struggling. We're all stronger when we're stronger together, and giving back just is genuinely such a wonderful I think it's just the best way to invoke joy in your life and obviously in others too. Being involved at St. Paul's just, it brings life to not only the people who are doing good here, but brings us all together, makes us all stronger and makes for just a happier life, I think, for everyone. For all the great news of what they're doing in the community, go to SPUCC.org slash good news. The Good News Hotline, 312-772-5756. And let's get to this call from Derek. Hi, this is Present Tense, Chicago's go-to bar wherever you are. I'm Derek Mercer, the head mixologist and owner of Present Tense. We're now offering in-home cocktail classes. Uh, what are those, you ask? Well, it's where we bring the bar and the classroom to you. We'll show up the spirits and the course materials and all the tools needed to make cocktails. And we'll sit around your table with you and your friends and your family and tell stories, taste spirits learn how to make cocktails, and of course, we'll make and drink those cocktails. Right now, our most popular class is a bourbon old-fashioned class where we'll taste four bourbons blind. I won't tell you what they are. You're just going to taste them, and then I'll reveal them. Then I'll show you how to make old-fashions with those bourbons, and then you'll make old-fashions with those bourbons. We use that same three-part format in our other popular class, with the mojito class, where we'll taste rums. Then I'll show you how to make mojitos. Then you'll start making mojitos. If you're interested in learning how to make some other kind of cocktails, like Manhattan's or Negronis, we can do custom classes as well. It's about a one-and-a-half to two-hour experience, and then we leave, and it's like we were never there. So if you're interested in any cocktail classes in your home, turn your home into a bar and classroom for a couple hours with you and your friends and family. Reach out to us on Instagram at Present Tense Bar or our website, presenttensebar.com. I'm Derek Mercer, and hopefully hear from you soon. Thanks. Well, that sounds tasty and really fun, Derek. Thank you so much for sharing your small business. You too can share good news at 312-772-5756. All right, let's keep this uh, good news train chugging along. I don't know, Jamie Nisbet Golden, is it a train chugging along? What do we want to say? I feel like it's a train or or maybe a a really nice fast car. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where I'm I'm going with this. Hey, Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I wish I were, you know, back in San Juan. I'm again trying to petition for, you know, Block Club San Juan. Well, we'll bring see. me bring me along for the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's jump in here because we got two stories that caught my eye of yours that were really good news. And you and I have talked about Ida B. Wells a few times, whether it was the monument that was erected yeah. in yep. honor of her, and I believe we talked about the WTTG documentary. Yep. I'm just loving all these Ida B. Wells stories and this Barbie doll thing is really cool. I'm I'm so excited. I, I spoke with Ida B. Wells' great-granddaughter, Michelle Duster, who has been sort of working tire- tirelessly to sort of continue shining the spotlight on uh, ancestors' work. Now, uh, this week, a new Barbie doll 
was unveiled uh, as part of Mattel's like inspiring women series and it's Ida B. Wells and it's adorable and I wish I were eight again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously. Like, That's cool. The kids get all the cool toys now. So, so the Barbie doll, um, you know, her and her brother Dan worked with designers to to make it as accurate as possible. Even the photo shoot, like all the details, even down to the photo shoot. So, like that attention to detail is just incredible. And this is from a period in time when um, Ida B. Wells was editor in chief of her own newspaper, the uh, Memphis Free Press. So you you know see her in this in this photo shoot reading. Um, uh, you know, like a, a, a folded, you know, like a, 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 a newspaper. newspaper. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm forgetting my words for some reason. You know what's um, cool about it is not only obviously, you know, young boys and girls who get yeah. this doll can learn specifically maybe about Ida B. Wells, but in general, it matters seeing someone that looks like you represented in dolls yeah. too. Like that makes a difference. Yeah. So when I was a kid, there weren't too many black Barbie, Barbies around, and I think my mother sort of picked up on you know, this need for me to sort of see a reflection of myself. And from, you know, th from a certain point on, I had all black Barbies, all black dolls, like even the Cabbage Patch doll was, uh -huh. you know. Um, and I think that's important. Like, I mean, it, it's, you know, seeing yourself makes you realize that things are possible, that you can do like the same amazing things that this person did. And, and the sales and, are going well, right? Yeah, they're flying off the I've called several different places yesterday. <laughs> I mean, for research purposes, of course, not of for course. me. Uh, yeah, no, they were already sold out, dude. Like, I was just like, really, really? Like, the, the, uh, the, target, uh, the target on State Street was sold out of them. Uh, the one uh, in the Roosevelt collection in the South Loop, gone. When I talked to Michelle Duster, she said, you know, they're slowly rolling more of them out, hopefully. Um, they're still available on the East Coast. If anybody's, you know, any, if there are any listeners tuning in from the East Coast, you should have some dolls over there, but um, I don't know. We might be SOL over here for now. Hey, let's talk about uh, My Block, My Hood, My City, uh, a nonprofit that we've talked about a bunch, and they do great work on the South Side and really actually over the West Side, the whole entire city. And they're giving away over $200,000 in grants. But what I actually really like about the way they're doing it is kind of in these micro grants. So kind of more people can get uh, a little help along the way. Yeah, so this is the third year that they've they've offered the program to um, city entrepreneurs, and they you know prioritize south and west side business owners because usually those are the ones that sort of you know are are thought of last. The first year they offered this, I interviewed some of the recipients of the program. And I think there was one person who um, there was a, uh, the owner of a cleaners in Chatham. Uh, there was a person who ran a, a t-shirt screening uh, shop um, not too far from from Chatham. I want to say like Avalon Park. Like he's really making, you know, the decision to, to you know, take care of these folks who have been really hit hard by the by the pandemic. Even though, you know, like these are micro grants, it's the difference between staying open next week and, and being shut down completely permanently 100%. like the next month. So yeah, so Jamal Cole is the founder and CEO of of My Block, My Hood, My City. And he's also running for Congress to uh, take over Congress of Russia's uh, district. He's been really sort of putting in the work to be the change he wants to see. And I think it's incredible that this is basically a no strings attached kind of thing. He's not going to make you jump through hoops. You know, you don't have to like, you know, have 50 different, you know, references. Do you have a need? Sure. Fill out this application and we can see, we'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll try to meet you halfway. And I think that's, you know, that's exactly what we need. You talk to kids who've, you know, been part of his programs. Some of them haven't, you know, been off their own block. And to, you know, for him to sort of go here, like here's, here's what the world can look like. 
for you is incredible. These kids, they, they, you know, go to places that they've only read about or Googled and you see the, the change in their faces and in their heart. Like it's just, it's transformative. I want to say it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. See, and that's, that's a perfect place to end this podcast. Jamie Nesbitt Golden. <laughs> Thanks for sharing those two stories. And I'm bringing back a popular feature, which was Jamie put on the spot to end the podcast. So <laughs> subscribe, rate, review, read all of our stories, donate. What else? Also, I, I do want to ask. Okay. So like my editors were sort of surprised by the idea that, you know, when we talked about Barbies, um, my Barbies used to fight and they were spies. And really? Yes. And so <laughs> they were badasses. They were listen, my Barbies were, you know, kind of like the CIA. Like, I mean, it was just, you know, like most kids were like, oh, you know, make, you know, like I would just want to dress them up in pretty outfits. No, no, no. My Barbies were about that life. It works out perfect because my G.I. Joes were singers and dancers and princesses. <laughs> so like if you have any listeners who, you know, have their own, you know stories of you know you know they're with their you know what they do with their own barbies that would be great like I'm, yeah i'm all here What'd you do with your Barbie? Uh, let us know. You can leave us a you can leave us a voicemail along with any other good news. 312-772-5756. That's the good news or Barbie hotline. And call us, leave us a voicemail, and uh, Jamie, say goodbye for us. Bye. Okay, you kept it simple. I like that. <laughs> New pod next week. Bye everyone. <laughs>